Good evening. It's so good to be with you here in our ZBcast. My name is Jeff, and with me I have a couple of friends, and then via Skype we have another friend. And I'll let our friend via Skype introduce himself first. This is David. Uh, David is uh, he's with the kids today, so he uh, has to, had to stay home, and he's uh, taking care of two children and doing a ZBcast at once, so he's quite the multitasker. On my right, I have my good friend Aaron, and on my left, I have John. Hola. Now, when I, I and I'm just going to flat out ask you guys, don't think about it, but just tell me what you think off the top of your head. Do you think that these two verses contradict each other? In Romans, Paul tells us not to conform to this world, you know, to be, be in the world but not of it. But then later in Corinthians he says, he tells us to become all things to all people. So first response, do you find that contradictory? No. I don't either. Well, come on, guys, play along. <laughs> David? Apparently you do. Yes, I absolutely think the Bible contradicts itself. <laughs> Good. Okay, so let's, let, I thought we could explore that because... And can we have like a, can we just set up a post uh, meeting that where we talk about getting David kicked out of the church for... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think, I believe silencing procedures should be start, uh, if we have, do we have an elder here that could uh, start those? I, I can. I also know uh, Pastor Colburn. As do I. <laughs> but I, I, I can definitely see where an argument can be made that they, on some levels, they do seem contradictory. I think, it, to me, part of it is that, that understanding of what that second scripture is referring to when it's talking about becoming all things to all people. What do you, what do you think that means? Well, well, let's not spoil it. But to the non-member or someone that's not as familiar through scriptures. So on one hand, we have a scripture that says, all right, we're supposed to live here and be part of this world, but we're not supposed to be the world. On the other hand, we have a scripture that says, you know, you should become all things to all people. Now, what does that really mean? I think I'll take the, the position here that Paul is, is advocating something which we would not be tolerant of in the church today, which is adopting behaviors that are not expressly illegal by scripture, but might be borderline dangerous or borderline, borderline acceptable at the very least with the express purpose of winning souls. Like what? What are you talking about? For example, I think, to put it in present-day context, I think Paul would not hesitate to go drink a beer with somebody if it meant that he might be able to win their soul. Really? So is that acceptable, then? I'm just, I'm just saying that I think it sounds like that's what Paul is advocating. So, I have Catholic friends. If I were to go to Mass with them and partake of communion with them in the hopes that I could witness to them and bring them, you know, to the Book of Mormon, would that be okay? Well, I don't think that would witness to them because I, my understanding of Catholic faith is they don't... I realize, I mean, I, not, I, I appreciate your argument, but I think that Catholicism does not condone um, open communion either. Maybe going to a Catholic service might, might encourage them to talk to you about things, but I'm not sure that they would serve you sacrament. But it is close to home, to use that example, because... In particular, Paul was, was, had just got off talking about how he said, you know, this one God that you're worshiping that you don't know the name of, that's the God I want to talk to you about. Well, he was, he was co-opting their religion in a way to witness to them about his. So it's, it's very close to what you're describing. Not a, I mean, it's certainly not a one-to-one, -one, but it's close. David? Yeah, I'm here. I, I'm, li I'm liking the discussion. I, I, I like Aaron's point, and I think about that, and I think, you know, so... To a lot of people, they would label, uh, a lot of people might label Paul quite the liberal for his stance on the ways he witnessed to people or was willing to witness to people. 
then you have his other writings on marriage and relationships and husband and wife roles and and people label him quite the conservative or quite the chauvinist and so i guess paul was all things to all people he was a contradiction in and of himself yeah i guess so (laughs) yeah i think i mean you touched on something i think is really interesting is we when we talk about conservatives versus liberals just within our within our culture i suppose there are two contexts that we might use that within we might use that within the church context and we might use it within a political context and those have some overlaps but not necessarily um, all overlaps but a conservative in our country politically would be different than a conservative in many other countries politically and so if we just think about that being a differentiation imagine 2,000 years different I mean the the terms that we use the the values that we ascribe to conservatism versus liberalism are probably completely different than what the people of the day thought, okay, this is a conservative concept versus a liberal concept. Well, in that day, conservative was Judaism and liberal was Christianity. Yeah. The best way I think that we can help people reconcile these two statements is to point towards missionaries. When And, and I'm sure Jeff can agree with this, and, and Aaron. Now, you guys are both bilingual in what language? Bilingual is an exaggeration for me. <laughs> well, Aaron is. I, I would say it's an exaggeration for me. Yeah. Well. Okay, well, you Bilingual know, is subjective. Okay. He knows a little. He knows more Spanish. I know some French. Well, yeah. I, okay. I'm learning Spanish. There you go. Not nowhere near bilingual. But I, I think that that that's a good argument for becoming all things to all people. You go to their land. You you learn their language, their customs, their ways, in the hope that you would save a few. Yeah, but I think that Paul's really going farther, but. When he talks about eating meat offered to idols, I, I mean, that's, that is something that within the conservative portion of the new Christians was reprehensible. I mean, that was meat offered to another idol. Mm-hmm. I mean, that was like, oh my goodness, you're, you're, <laughs> you are dishonoring our God by recognizing that God. Mm-hmm. But Paul was like, you know, this, this doesn't have any meaning to me. I don't recognize him as a God. So this is just meat. Right. Yeah. So, so he was making a distinction about what was scriptural versus kind of maybe almost social traditions within the church. Speaking of food, the first site that I came across, it had to do with biblical cooking. Right off the bat, does that seem like something you would need to say, well, this is a Christian's way of cooking or this is a biblical spin on cooking? I would think not. Unless, it's, unless we're talking about not cooking casseroles, which I would think would be very, I mean, casserole I don't think was a Christian dish. But. And, and see, and I feel the same way. I would think not. I, I almost think that's just a ploy or, or it, it cheapens what, what it is to be Christian, what it is to be part of the church to say, well, this is specifically Christian. Well, I, I don't know. I think you could make a stand that, that there are some biblical recipes. There for, are. You know, for inclusions or just... Dis- Disinclusions, let's say. Um, for example, if, if you're going to eat cooked meat, biblically, it should not be offered to idols. True, but if we go back to what Paul was saying, it's just meat. Uh, right. <laughs> so, I mean, so would, I mean I've, heard, I've heard sermons preached about how sports are a modern-day idol. So does that mean tailgating would be meat offered to idols? Possibly. Ooh. How dare you bring that up during football season to make us all feel guilty? Well, I, I, I particularly think anything cooked at a 
Florida Gators game would be offered to idols. <laughs> Idlers. <laughs> well, all right. Here's here's some examples. There, this uh, this website advertise. It was called uh, BiblicalCooking.com, I think, but I'm not positive on that. Are, are they making exclusions for like squid and? No, actually, they, animals they with were split not. hooves and. But owls. Well, here's the thing. These are the names of some of the recipes. King David's Lamb Delight. Now, as I reviewed the recipe, there really wasn't anything that seemed particularly Christian about it, except that they gave it a title, King David's Lamb Delight. Do you think that's... No, just, that's, just throwing, a, just throwing a, a scriptural title on it, I don't think, makes it Yeah, and I, and I more agree. More or less holy. And, like, they had one that was Holy Raspberries. Just because they called it Holy Raspberries, it was holy? Yeah. I mean, and, and the last one that I found was... Were they just were they just nurtured with holy water? I, I don't know. I didn't bring were the, were the actual they, recipe Were they, were they pesticide-free? I would hope so. But the last one I found was salmon a la Solomon. And, and I did write down the recipe for this. And I like it's, that one. That's pretty good. With uh, olive oil? To prepare the fish, lightly sprinkle salmon fillets with olive oil, salt, and pepper. Add chopped garlic to taste and bake to 375 until meat is flaky. I mean, the, does the name Sam, Salmon a la Solomon, is that indicative that it is a holy food? No. Oh, there's no. nothing holy about the name or the suggestion. But, I mean, let's be fair, though, that whoever is running biblical cooking, is that, is that a good way to, to try and be all things to all people? It's certainly marketing. It's marketing. But I don't, I don't, I, I don't perceive that being all things to all people. Just I mean, because you're trying to find, to, to me, it's like they're looking for this niche market of people. Yeah, I don't think they're all things to anybody but Christians. So you don't think that anybody but Christians would go to see it? No. Uh, yeah, I don't think there'd be an enticement really to anybody but Christians. Okay. Now, I think if you, had a, if, you had a, if you had a chef or a cooking person who was really good and had a, a fancy restaurant and then maybe had place cards or... Um, something where they did start try to do some witnessing in that way, I would see that being more trying to be all things to all people versus versus trying to make just a random thing, throwing some Christian terms at me. Because I think all you're gonna do is, a, I mean, all you're gonna do is appeal to the Christians or those who want that in the first place. You're not gonna get other people to say, "Ooh, I, I want to become a Christian now that I've eaten this King Benjamin's or King Solomon's <laughs> feast or whatever." <laughs> no, and I agree. I do agree, David. No, I'm with you guys, and, and I'm looking at this website, and I don't see anything on there that says we're cooking according to any biblical law. They just talk about wanting to glorify God through their cooking, and their slogan is cooking cooking according to the word. So and, I, I, I can't disagree with what you guys are saying, but but it makes me wonder, is there any is there any part of our society that, that needs to have its own Christian flavor? You know, cooking, maybe not necessarily, clothing... Um, what 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 exactly is it that need that needs to have that Christian influence, and what can we just involve ourselves with what the world's doing? You know, I would argue that the whole world needs us to be its salt. <laughs> Expand on that. Yeah, <laughs> please well, do. We we need to add we need to add some flavor. We need to add some savor to our society. Say, I mean, sometimes the spin is put on that 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 with salt is salt as a preservative. And you know maybe there's some there's some value in that line of thinking, but to be savory means to be tasty. And when we are ourselves in the right way, when we are exemplifying Christ in the right way, 
we flavor society in such a way as to give it a different taste, a taste that would actually be appealing to God as opposed to, you know, just raw meat or you know, something else completely unsavory. Well, how do, what, what do you mean? How do we, what is it that we do that would provide flavor? Well, so, so I don't mean flavor as far as like ethnic diversity or, or social uh, diversity. I'm, I'm talking about our very presence rubs off on people. So when you put salt in a dish, it doesn't stay clumped up. It actually spreads throughout, when you, and it actually flavors the thing and doesn't stay necessarily by itself. So what's the flavoring that we're giving? We are rubbing off our values, righteous living, holy attitude towards God. That's probably a less learned trait than, than values. But by, by existing in the world, we actually shape their behavior in some ways, as, they, as do they us. But if we lose our savor, then we're, we're no longer good for that purpose. So you're saying we need to be in all facets of our society. Absolutely. We need to have, yeah. we need to have football players. We need to have movie movie actors. <laughs> we need we need to be bringing savor flavor to those parts of our society so that the the uh, value uh, deprived do not reign in those areas. Yeah. Well, here let's we'll, we'll try a, another topic now. Can I ask a, Can I ask a question? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Can you guys think of anybody? Modern day that is a good example of being all things to all people. Uh, I mean, I've I've been sitting here thinking about this for a while. I'm not coming up with much. I I, I think probably one of the best examples in my mind, my name my my name recall just went down the tubes. Um, He's getting he's really really up in years now. He's still alive, but he um, does revivals. Billy Billy Graham. Billy Graham. I I would have to say I think Billy Graham probably. To me, would be one of the closest, just because he yeah. was he was able to witness to anybody. Um, yes. Presidents of both parties would go to him. Everybody would go to him as somebody that, um, as a man of of holiness and a man of the Lord. Um, For that matter, so was the Pope. To a certain extent, the Pope is, but he's definitely more revered by Catholics than sure. non Catholics. But I think Billy Graham, I don't I don't even know what his denominational ties are. And I don't think anybody else really cares. No, no, and and that actually brings up a, a good point. Uh, this is a beef that I have with uh, lots of people uh, in our church. They automatically assume that because he does not quote have the fullness of the gospel, that he has nothing of value. Same way with say focus on the family or, or any other large Christian organization. And and I I just don't think that's true. You can't say. That Billy Graham, just because he isn't a, a restorationist, that he's not doing good things or hasn't done good things. Same way with uh, Dr. Dobson. They may not see eye to eye with us, but I'm still I still feel pretty good about saying I think that they've done some good things. Okay, I guess I'm alone on that one. No, I uh, I, 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 I think we I think we all agree. Um, I, there are some that I would I would take a different line on. I mean, people do good. Uh, the Bible Answer Man probably has helped some people, but I would consider him an adversary, uh, and I I would not recommend him to anyone in our church. Because who's that? Bible Answer Man, Hank Kennegraff. Hank Kennegraff. He has a program where he basically bashes anybody he considers a cult. Yeah, he's 
and and he lumps um, he lumps us in there and is very denigrating. Um, lots of people have their are entitled to their opinions, and as is he. But I don't think that we do ourselves any service by by listening to his program. Okay, that's a fair argument. Now here's another example, and I just picked some uh, pick just random ones that I could find. There is an author. He's the guy that wrote Fireproof. Facing the Giants, Flywheel, uh, and a couple others. But in his latest book, it's called Haunt of Jackals. Uh, what? Oh, I guess he's... Hello? Sorry. That's okay. Okay, this is his synopsis. When Jesus was resurrected, ancient scripture says many rose from the grave. Today, 36 of this group of de- undead remain, known as the Nistarum. When Judas hung himself, his blood mysteriously gave rise to another group of undead the unholy collectors. Now very much alive, they feed on souls and human blood. So, this is billed, though, as a Christian book. There again, like the, the cooking, is that a stretch? To be all things to all people. So, what he's go, what in my mind, his angle is that he's going after people that are going to be of you know any number of religions that like religion mixed with fiction. Well, you may as well, wa- you may as well read... The Da Vinci Code, or this present darkness. I mean, I mean, I think well, this present darkness would be encouraged by a Christian. It would, but it's body. very much fiction. It is, but uh, whereas you look at something like the Da Vinci Code or Angels and Demons, there's a a lot of links to Scripture and a lot of links to faith, and they blur the lines between reality and fiction. Yeah, yeah and so I mean, true. but as a whole, I think Christianity would condemn Angels and Demons or anything Dan Brown writes. They would condemn those and encourage. As long as the author say he loves Je- says he loves Jesus, then I think they're going to encourage it. I think I think the author's intent is a huge um, indicator, demarker as far as people's acceptance of things such as this. Okay, and like there's a similar one where it's a sci-fi novel called Offworld, but it, it's it's supposed to be Christian as far as I understand it. But when I read the synopsis of it, it doesn't men- have any mention of it. Uh, Commander Christopher Burke and his crew are humanity's greatest explorers. They finished their mission on the red dirt of Mars, and now they just want to get back to Earth to see friends, family, and loved ones, to be home. But even with communication on ground control cut and a perilous landing, nothing could prepare the crew for what they discover when they step foot back on planet Earth. Everyone, everywhere, is gone. Oh, another rapture book. How's it that? doesn't say that because well, uh, there are lots of people that are like, well, it could be the rapture, it could be aliens, it could be... <laughs> but, but also consider like Twilight, written by a Mormon author. Um, hints of religion in there. Uh, I would almost argue hints of Mormon religion, but very, very subdued. But, but only subdued, only hints. No, nothing really overt. So I guess we would pose the same question in Twilight. Um, and awesome for, book. You gotta read really, it. Really good books. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes, we might be the only two adult male and adult <laughs> men that have read it. But <laughs> I'm gonna have to go get this Haunt of Jackals now. <laughs> yeah. No kidding. You got me hooked already. <laughs> That's good synopsis. You had me at haunt. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, uh, let's see here. Uh, yeah. So we pose the same question to uh, to be every. Can I- or go ahead, David. Since the middle school girls are done, I'd like to give the middle-aged male perspective and say that I've never read that book or seen those movies. 
You better shut we, your mouth. <laughs> we don't we don't have middle school girls on this show, David. <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. But I'm glad to hear that you consider yourself a middle aged male. <laughs> I'm, I'm 18 to 40. That's the middle age, and then uh, I don't males think, 18 to 40. I don't think 19 is considered middle age. But anyway, so we posed the same question to, to Twilight. To be all things to all people, is is that a good way to get people that like vampires into, you know, with whatever, with whatever trappings the church could have to get them in to the church? Well, I think it depends on if I'm not sure that the author of Twilight, if her goal is to convert people. Okay. I think her, I think her intent is to entertainment. That's what, I mean, that, that, that's what she, that's her gift and talent yeah. is to write fiction. And so that's what she's doing. Mm-hmm. She might throw in some overtones that could be linked, but you can, you can link a lot of things to a lot of different philosophies. Yeah. If you want. Yeah. I mean, I could, I mean, I can see some hints of Mormonism with the eternal nature of the vampires. I mean, there's mm-hmm. some things you can say that would, that would lead towards some of their things. I mean, basically two vampires getting married is like eternal marriage. I mean, you could make some links. <laughs> um, you could make some links there, but unless she comes out with her next novel, which brings people a little bit closer to Christian or Mormon beliefs, which I'm, I haven't received any understanding if that's the case, um, and hooking them that way, then she's just trying to entertain. Yeah, and I'm, I don't recall that ever being, this is specifically from a Mormon to Mormons, so people can learn about the Mormon Church. No. I don't yeah. ever recall hearing it. I don't. Like I don't think Lewis um, was necessarily forthright initially to the world that the Chronicles of Narnia were a witnessing right, tool. Right, right. Later on, certainly mm-hmm. he had, he claimed that was his purpose, and you can see very clearly the, his overtones and suggestions there. Um, and to his close friends, I'm sure he said so, but. I'm not sure that he necessarily said, "Hey, everybody, this is a witnessing tool. Well, Come read my book." But even at that, even if, even if, his, even if those books themselves didn't promote Christianity, which I think they did on, a cert, on certain levels, on certain but more importantly, his follow-up works, people would say, "Wow, he's a good author. I want to read his works." He followed it with some, and he had he had yeah. his, his 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 profile of books that he read. He wrote included a lot of a good witnessing tools. I mean, a lot mm-hmm. of books that. Provide, provide a lot of ministerial depth, and we'll see if um, the author of uh, Twilight follows up her work with anything that has more more meat on it. But hopefully you've had a, an enjoyable time uh, listening today. If you uh, have any comments or suggestions, please. Oh, we gotta go. I, I think I think our time is up. We've been going we've been going quite a while, and we need to probably wrap things up. Well, I I have just one more quick thing. Okay, we, right. we better hurry. Now, one more quick thing. Now, this is a, another example of being all things to all people. And now, there is a group out here, that, and the, this is part of their mission statement. Believe in the Bible to be inspired, infallible, and authoritative word of God. Believe in one God, creator of all things, infinitely perfect, perfect and eternally existing in three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Believe that all men have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Believe in the deity and the virgin birth of the Lord Jesus Christ. He died upon the cross and was a substitutionary sacrifice for the sin of the world as he rose from the dead and ascended to heaven. Uh, believe in the doctrine and justification by faith. Uh, believe in life after death. Um, believe in the resurrection of the, of the saved into eternal life. Um, there's a couple other ones, but I'll skip them. So, after reading those, could you guys have any guess as to what Christian organization that is from? Just whatever. No. Salvation Army. 
I, I'm not sure I could distinguish any particular denomination from that. Yeah, just, Masons. Okay, just I mean, just for the fun of it, Eric. Anybody? Restorationist. That is from the CWF mission statement, the Christian Wrestling Federation. <laughs> and I kid you not, there is a Christian Wrestling Federation. Very nice. So, all things to all people, is there a niche, mar a niche group of wrestlers that need that presence in their life? I think there are some see, people. I, I, would, I, would, I would see that as a as as a more as a more tangible thing of all things, all people. And I, I agree. Mean, I mean, I not that I am going to go out and watch them. Oh no, but, you should. They have they have videos on their website. Oh really? <laughs> yeah. Huh. We're gonna have to. I think we're gonna have to go. <laughs> yeah, if, if you have, have to go. If you have any anything that you'd like to share with us, please email us. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, you can email. Um, Aaron or Jeff or David or John at designbound.com and we would love to hear from you. Thanks for coming. Till we are together at last in Zion, let us remain Zion Bound. Mm -hmm.